you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 193 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan Jason Burke, and on today's episode, the start of the season could be delayed, so I'll get into all of that fun stuff, and I've been thinking that maybe Andrelton Simmons could be a decent addition this winter, so I've looked at some numbers, and now I have no idea, so uh, I'm going to go through my entire thought process on that one with you guys, so uh, that's what we got coming up for you guys today. Also, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. That is one word, LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off your next order. Also, make sure to follow us on social media at LOCKEDONEYS on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LOCKEDONATHLETICS at gmail.com. So the reason that I went down this Angleton Simmons rabbit hole is because I read that the Twins have reportedly expressed legitimate interest in Marcus Simeon, which could mean nothing overall, but they could also be another contender for services. So you got to look at other uh, avenues when there is a a market for a player if you're an A's fan. And so that's what I was doing. I was like, who else is on the market? Angleton Simmons. He, he's got a good glove. Let's look into him. So I did. And everyone listening to this probably knows about the glove. He's a gold glover. Uh, Whether or not he wins the award, he should have won the award. He has four gold gloves in his career, and uh, it it should be nine. I don't care if he he was not eligible for every season. He should have nine, according to me, and only me. Um, But so that... With that glove, it seems like an easy case to make that Angelton Simmons would be a very nice addition to the left side of that uh, A's infield. You got him and Matt Chapman just swallowing up any ball, and the only thing that could stop the A's would be left-handed hitters, and then they just get more lefty pitchers, and then all of a sudden, they're unbeatable. So I like this idea. So obviously, his defense is superb. His offense has been okay. He hit 282 with a 328 on base over the last three seasons, but his below-league average 718 OPS is not great, and uh, obviously he doesn't get a lot of extra base hits. That's not really his game. Some doubles, sure, but home runs, not necessarily his bag of tricks. Not like Marcus Simeon over here, who uh, loves the long ball. Um, I mean, could the approach work with the A's? I mean, potentially, yeah. His on-base percentage isn't crazy at, you know, 328 over those three seasons, but his batting average is decent, so he could be able to help add add that dimension of moving guys over in the right situations if the A's need that, or God forbid, getting a hit with a runner in scoring position. You know, those things that we all tweeted about throughout the 2020 season uh, that the A's needed to improve upon. He might be able to help in that dimension because he's a good bat-to-ball guy. He doesn't strike out a whole ton. He also doesn't walk a whole ton. So if he's getting on base at a 328 clip, it's because he's hitting the ball a fair amount. Obviously, a 282 average will do that. So... That could be really, really useful given that the A's offense uh, is basically going to be the same A's players, at least, uh, that we saw in the 2020 season. So a lot of those same problems will still be there because it's the same roster. Uh, I mean, obviously, they go, it's a little bit of luck involved. So there's that. But adding a player like Simmons or like Tommy LaStella, those could be two nice bats to add to the A's uh, offense to help generate a few more runs here and there uh, when the 
when the home runs are not flying, if you will. And so I'm not super high on Andrelton Simmons' bat. And if you're a baseball fan, you're probably not either just because it's not great. But Marcus Simeon, over that same span of three years, which includes a top three MVP finish, hit 263. So his batting average was a little bit lower, but you know, whatever. Uh, he had a higher on-base percentage at 339, and he had a higher OPS at 784. And his on-base percentage is 10 points higher, and his OPS is almost 70 points higher. But that's also to be expected. So if with those numbers, would Simmons's glove offset those numbers on offense, make these a better team or at least come close to replacing Marcus Simeon? And uh, I thought, hey, maybe, maybe this would be a good addition for the A's. You know, just go full defense and add Andrelton Simmons. Whatever he gives you is a bonus. If he's league average, great. That would be fine. So uh, I, w- I was feeling pretty decent. And then I went to Fangraphs and... Uh, Now I have some concerns, because over at Fangraphs, I scrolled all the way down to his defensive run saved, which I don't know why I did that. His defense is the one thing that I know about him. It's great. Except for, sometimes not. Uh, He has seasons with 30 uh, defensive runs saved, uh, 20, 40, 23. Obviously, these are things you're like, yeah, that's a lot of defensive runs saved. And you pair that with Matt Chapman, all of a sudden, they're saving like a thousand runs a season. This is great. Um, maybe not because I actually gave you the, I, I exaggerated too much. Let's say a hundred runs a season. That's actually doable. But anyways, uh, so there's all that. But then I looked at his uh, DRS from 2019 and that fell to 12 and I'm like, I missed a couple of months, you know, no biggie. Maybe that's, that's all that's missing right there. But then in 2020, he put up a DRS of negative two. He only played in 265 innings at short in 2020, so it could be a small sample size, but given his defensive prowess in previous seasons, he could have also had five or six runs saved in that same sample given what he's done in the past. And uh, that's where I did a little bit more research. And I I remember this now that I have read it. Uh, He's been dealing with some ankle issues since uh, 2019, like May of 2019. He missed some time there, played in like 106 games. He missed half the season in 2020. Uh, He also opted out at the very end. And uh, that's a little bit worrisome. If you're not going to be getting the defensive Andrelton Simmons, then at least as a sure shot, because the A's, again, this is still their window. It's closing a little bit, but you still want to make big time, not big time, because the A's don't make big time acquisitions, but you want to make somebody who's going to improve your club in one way or another if you're going to spend money on them. And I mean, is he? I'm not sure. And that's where I'm a little bit scared about Andrelton Simmons, because if he's giving you, you know, 20 or 30 DRS each year, Cool. Go sign him for like one year, $8 million or two years at like 15 or whatever you want to pay him. That would be great. But I don't know if he's going to be giving you, you know, a a 90 WRC plus and roughly league average defense if that's somebody that you want to go after. So I think that they could, I mean, maybe we'll see how it goes, but you can get him for like one year and 4 million because of those question marks. Cause I don't know that anybody else is going to want to be paying a ton of money for him either. So we'll see, I guess. Um, but I'm not as sold on Angleton Simmons as I thought I was going to be. So with that being the case, what are some other options that the A's could consider moving forward? Obviously, you got Didi Gregorius, who I'm just less high on personally. Uh, if they get him, sure, I'll make a case for why he's going to be the greatest shortstop in Oakland A's history. And then there's Hassan Kim, who... Uh, I thought would have been a great addition, but, uh, you know, as I 
wrote this, uh, things changed, and now he's with the Padres, because the Padres made so many moves. I'll get into their big one a little bit later, and speculation on another big one that's coming up a little bit later. So uh, he's off the board, and I would have liked to have Hassan Kim, because you don't know what he's necessarily going to be. He's not going to cost you a ton of money, and he'd be a high ceiling player that they could go after that wouldn't be super costly. And I liked that idea. Maybe with the addition of Hassan Kim to the Padres, maybe that opens up Jake Cronenworth for a potential trade candidate because uh, Kim can play second, third, or shortstop. Uh, Padres got Fernando Tatis Jr. playing short. He's not going anywhere. You got Manny Machado at third. He's not going anywhere. That means Jake Cronenworth, who played most of his games at second base, What's he going to be doing? Maybe they start off Hassan Kim in the minor leagues, but I don't know that that's necessarily what they're going to do if they're paying him a few million dollars a year, uh, depending on what the contract is and all that stuff. Uh, I think that Cronenworth becomes available at some point because of this uh, this new addition. So maybe that's how the A's can fix their second base situation, but it doesn't necessarily help them at shortstop. But all of these Padres acquisitions uh, that, that I'll get into... They make it look like uh, it's really a two-team race, maybe, uh, them and the Dodgers. Those are the two teams in the NOS. So if you're the Colorado Rockies and you got one year of Trevor Story left, you're going to keep him for one more year and not contend? Or do you want to trade him and get something for him before he just straight up walks out the door? So that could open up the possibility of the A's acquiring somebody like Trevor Story for their shortstop position. And that would be uh, fun and exciting. Again, uh, we made fun of him on the Festivus episode during the Feats of Strength segment. And Ryan uh, Latica of Locked on Rockies nominated Trevor Story as his feats of strength champion and uh, we just said Coors and that is definitely a concern when it comes to Trevor Story but hey maybe as I said on that same podcast I do believe that there is something to having to play at Coors affecting your offense when you go on the road and it's not because you know uh, they don't get as much play because of you know thicker air and stuff like that like in Oakland or something like that it's because they're constantly changing the pitches that they see and having to adjust their own approach so if you give somebody the same approach and you're seeing the same pitches no matter where you go. I think that that player could be more consistent and not have such drastic home and road splits. Sure, they get aided by Coors a little bit, but you can have a more consistent player if you're playing in Oakland or, you know, like DJ LeMahieu. He's making a name for himself playing in New York. Granted, they have the short porch and all that stuff, but it, it depends on where you land in Oakland. Could be a, a nice spot for Trevor Story. He is going to make $18.5 million in 2021, so I don't know if that's something that uh, John Fisher would think about taking on. Uh, probably not, but it would be a one-year shortstop that would hopefully get them to Nick Allen to take over shortstop duties. They wouldn't have to be paying... You know, if you're going to sign Angelton Simmons for two years and 15, this is one year for a much better shortstop it's worth a shot, and it gives you a chance to contend in 2021, and then you can pay the next guy, you know, league minimum, and that would be fine. So um, that's an option to consider, and if they're if the A's are paying the entire salary, they're not giving up much in prospect return because it's only one year of Trevor Story. So uh, maybe that's something that the A's are going to consider. Probably not, but hey, one can dream, can't you? Maybe the Rockies eat some of that money and then they get a little bit better prospect return or something like that. So uh, it's something to consider, but we'll see what happens. But anyways, coming up on the show, the owners want to delay the start of the season, so stay locked in with Locked On A's. Uh, we'll be right back. 
Are you ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season and there are some big matchups this weekend. The NFL regular season is finishing up and the playoff picture is becoming clearer. There is only one place that has you covered and the one place we trust. BetOnline.ag Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. If you're looking to make a bet, why not pick the Kings? Because we talked about uh, the Kings just last week and uh, they've Started off kind of good, actually. They are 2-1 and one on the season, and they have the Denver Nuggets coming to the Golden 1 Center on Tuesday night. So uh, what does BetOnline AG have for them? They have them at plus 2.5, or negative uh, 110 if you want to go that way. Uh, the over-under on the game score is 223. So if you like any of those numbers, go to BetOnline.ag, place your bet on that game, and many others if you so choose. Because it is time to get off the sidelines and get into the action. And don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON, that is one word, LOCKEDON, to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you guys by the best tasting protein bar ever. That is right, my friends. We are talking about the even more deliciouser Built Bar. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also have their original 12 flavors like coconut almond, banana bread, salted caramel, orange, and coconut. Um, all their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are protein bars that taste like candy bars. And all of their bars are built for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Their bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. So all you got to do to get your hands on some of these delicious treats is go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. Again, one word, LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off your next order. Use promo code code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Ace Podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you like here in podcasts. And also make sure to follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any mailbag questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So I'm doing this news bit now because I wanted to get it out of the way before we got to 2021. Just get all the bad karma out into the world while it's still 2020. So hopefully you're not listening to this on Friday because, uh, you know, it came out on Monday. So there you go. And the bad news is something that Bob Nightingale of USA Today is reporting, and that is Major League Baseball is debating whether or not to start the season on time in 2021 due to COVID-19. The owners want the players to be vaccinated before they report to spring training, which, I mean, honestly is understandable, given that with more games on the docket, there will be more travel, and being vaccinated would be a way to mitigate some of the risk. So I I understand where the owners are coming from. But on the other side of this debate is the players who want to play a full season with a full year's worth of pay, especially after they just completed a shortened season. The counterpoint to the player stance would be that uh, the schedule would be more regular, meaning that there would be trips from one coast to another and not just regionally scheduled games. And the counterpoint to the owners is, as always, all about greed. A shorter season most likely means paying the players less money. And if they were so concerned about players, 
player safety, then why did they play at all in 2020? Delaying the season would mean the players would be more likely to be vaccinated, but would also give more time for the general public to receive their shots too, meaning fans in the stands, which means more revenue for the owners. So yeah, sure, they can say safety, but they didn't do safety in 2020. Why is it all of a sudden a big concern for them? It doesn't make sense. It's all about money for them. Uh, two owners stated that there would be zero chance of spring training starting on time with an American League owner stating, quote, I don't care if we play 140 games, 120 games, or 80 games. We have to make sure that everyone is safe and do this right. And uh, end quote. Uh, again, safety doesn't seem like it was a big concern in 2020. The Marlins and Cardinals both had huge outbreaks and the league and the owners decided that they should just play a whole bunch of doubleheaders uh, just to get the season in and, you know, make their money that way. And that presents a whole new set of injury risk for the players. So they're not taking on any of the risk, but they're trying to reap as much of the reward as they can. It's a little bit silly. And uh, the safety argument is just BS at this point. Some players suggested that they delay the season by a month, but still play every game, extending the season into November or potentially even December, uh, December baseball, who's ready? The owners say that it's unrealistic to play that late into the year and it would result in massive revenue losses for the teams with restricted or no fans. And I just don't get that line of reasoning. So they can wait a month and play a shortened season and end the season on time with no fans, but imposing some of that delay, but playing the extra 30 games, some of which would likely have fans after enough of the population has received the vaccine, would result in bigger losses? I don't get how that makes sense financially. And it just seems like the logic from the owners never seems to add up in these types of stories. It always feels like they come up with the thing that they want, which in this case is less baseball. It's usually less baseball. And then that means lower operating costs and paying the players less, uh, less than what they agreed to in the contract. They agreed to pay these players a certain amount of money and they're like, mm, I'd rather not. So that seems like what they're going for here. And then they just kind of make up the rest in between to get them to that point. And uh, it just always seems disingenuous is coming from ownership and I am very tired of it. It's just stupid and disingenuous. They, they think that they're pulling a fast one on the fans, but we all see it and we just care to differing degrees. Like I care, but I also love baseball. And so when it's on, my rage simmers a little bit and I can go about my day and that's probably not the best way to go about it, but others see stuff like this and they just leave the sport entirely. So they're killing their own product because they're greedy bastards. And I don't appreciate that. Uh, meanwhile, the NBA is having zero problems taking care of their players and being a well-liked league. So I don't think that it's a, a health concern for them. Uh, have the NBA players been vaccinated? I don't think so. They may have been, but I don't think so. They're traveling just fine. So uh, MLB is just doing it in a, sure it's bigger, but uh, you have money, don't you? Figure it out. So that's the bad news. Uh, we might not be able to get baseball, Major League Baseball, on our TVs uh, until May or so, depending on how the vaccine goes. So uh, let's go vaccine. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's that's all that's been reported thus far. And it is coming from Bob Nightingale. So take that information and do with it what you will. Uh, but finally, there was one big trade that came down on Sunday night, and that was when the Tampa Bay Rays sent Blake Snell to San Diego in exchange for a prospect all headlined by Luis Patino. Patino is a hard-throwing righty, so he'll be a star with the Rays, no doubt about it. They always get 
the best people. So uh, they also got a former uh, top prospect and catcher, Francisco Mejia. And I am very intrigued to see if they can help him reach his ceiling. Because in four years, he's gotten roughly a half season's worth of plate appearances and hit 225 with a 668 uh, OPS. So we'll see how that one turns out. But I'm very intrigued to see what happens with Mejia. Because uh, I know a little bit more about him. I, I enjoy him. He's a switch hitter. He's a catcher. Uh, let's see what he can do. And the Padres sent a couple of other prospects that are highly regarded over to the Rays in this package for Blake Snell. Uh, I'm not going to get into them. I had stuff written about them. But then other things happen. The Padres keep making news. So they already signed Hassan Kim. Uh, that's happening. Uh, well, he's getting his physical. I don't know that he's uh, necessarily signed just yet. But he's supposed to sign there. And now there's reports that uh, they're close to acquiring you Darvish. So that might happen by the end of Monday. And so if that happens, the Padres were already good. But... They could be that much better with these two additions. Uh, they could have a rotation of Snell, Mike Clevenger, Chris Paddock, Adrian Morahone, and Yu Darvish heading into next year. And they might even have McKenzie, McKenzie Gore uh, in there as well if he's not in this trade package for Yu Darvish, which I don't think that he would be, but we'll see. Uh, Padres are going to be a fun and exciting team, but it also kind of underscores with what the Rays are doing, where you build and you build and you build, and then you blow it up, and uh, that's not good for baseball either. The Rays were in the World Series last year, and now they're like, ah, oh, this guy's too expensive. He costs $11 million. We need to trade him immediately while his value's high so that we can keep going with this crazy cycle that we have. And uh, I know that the A's do stuff that's similar to that, but it's... Uh, it's not fun for a baseball fan. As a Rays fan, you got to be like, hey, we got a chance now. This is fun. Next year is our year. We're going to show them next year. And uh didn't happen. Whereas the, the Dodgers, they're doing stuff that's very similar to the Rays and how they build their team. But then they spend the money. And so they've gotten their three chances at winning World Series. They finally broke through in 2020. They won their championship. Uh, the Rays could definitely be that team if they spent money. So uh, the owners, again, kind of cheap. Not a fan. Uh, really wish that uh, the owners would get on board with promoting their own product and making it more exciting across the board as opposed to like, ah, these five teams spend money and they're usually pretty good. So they're the World Series favorites. And that's all that it takes is just spending a little bit of extra money, which is something that the A's haven't done. So uh, really hope that there's just a bunch of ownership changes in the coming like decade or something. That would make baseball a lot more fun. That's how you grow the game, you guys. Just get rid of all the current owners. Uh, on board. Anyway, uh, the Dodgers owners are fine, I think. And then everybody else, man, eh, we'll see. But anyways, that is it for me today, you guys. So hopefully you guys uh, can get out some of your own bad energy heading into 2021 because we're going to need as much good energy as we can get uh, for the new year. So uh, that is it for me today, you guys. Until next time, stay indoors, celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks, and I will talk with you guys later this week.